Stand with us as we open the end worship. Only King forever. Sing along, everybody. want you to know there is no place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning than right here at home with my church family. It is the best place to be. After a couple of weeks of, of somewhat of a vacation, 
I wasn't here last Sunday and Eric preached for us. He's going to preach again this morning. And I know you'll be uh, praying for him and, and listening intently to what he has to say as he talks about the only king for have, forever is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is who we are here to worship. Thank you for being here this morning. Thanks for coming to Sunset Hills. If today is your first time to ever be here, we hope you've already felt a really warm welcome. We are sorry that maybe you had a hard time finding a place to park. But that's not going to be a problem not too long from now, right? Yeah, the parking lot's kind of messed up, but it is looking really good. I don't know if you've been noticing all of the improvements around the entire property, but it's looking great. And soon we'll have all that repaired and ready to go. And you, you, can, have a, you can park wherever you want to at that point in time, all right? But in the meantime, if today's your first day, we are glad you came this way. We would love to get to know you better. You can do that by texting that number that's on the screen. Or you can stop by our foyer at the welcome kiosk. And you can fill out some other paperwork that's out there. Not too much, just your name and address. You glad to be here this morning? Let's show it as to how we lift our voices to the Lord. Amen. Hey, we're going to teach a new song this morning. It's called Battle Belongs. Jason's going to lead it. Sing along if you know it. If you don't, let it marinate in your heart and minister to you. See my victory And all I see is the mountain You see the mountain move And as I walk through the shadow Your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the Yeah. 
Change is on. 
No, you may stand. Did this last week. Love you. Stay standing for the reading of God's Word. All right, good morning, everybody. I hope you all are all doing well this morning. Today we'll be reading Jude chapter 1, verses 17 through 25 in the English Standard Version. And it reads, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even with the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of the glory with the great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's the reading of God's Word. Thank you, Hayden. So if you have a Bible, or you have a Bible on your smartphone, do me a favor, open it up. Open up to Jude, which some of you last week probably realized, wow, Jude, I haven't heard that name outside of the Beatles 
as a song. So it's, it's really an obscure letter into the New Testament. It's one of two New Testament letters that really is but a chapter. It's 25 verses in length, just like the book of Philemon. And so it tucks right in there, right before the book of Revelation, and right after 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and you'll find Jude. Um, and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna wrap up what I started last week, and I'm just thankful that I was able to just open up the letter. Um, it was uh, great to be able to see that happen because even out of the hymn that we just got a chance to sing, The Old Rugged Cross, our culture, our culture needs to know about that song in taking a stance of contending for your faith in such a way that we're going to see more disciples of Christ raised up in this generation, amen? It's not our job to try to maintain just the civility of our Christian faith for ourselves, but it is to be an echoing, an echoing of the gospel of Jesus Christ into every faber and, 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 and place and location in Tennessee, in, in the United States, and the world. And the word of God is, is at centerpiece for that. And, and we need to be able to be a, a people that not only herald it, but that we heed it and that we just continue to proclaim it unashamedly. And, uh, and young people, I'm looking at you right now in, in the audience, you need to be the mantle that's going to take this into another generation that needs to discover the gospel of Jesus Christ until he comes again. That's the unashamed gospel that we wanna believe at Sunset Hills that we wanna see transform people's lives. That's what we're in for. Okay, and that's what I'm in for as a pastor, that's what I'm in for as a preacher and a teacher, is to see that very message go forth in love and with respect, as the scriptures would say. So if you have your scriptures, let's open them to Jude. But before we start there, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys have a decent memory? Uh, yeah. As I'm getting older, my memory is slipping more often. And I'm the person in the family where uh, I have a good short-term memory, which is about 30 seconds long, and then I forget. And then I'm married to the woman who has a very good long-term memory, I mean, where she remembers everything that ever happened that was ever said, amen. And so it's neat to be partnered with her in that way. But memories can serve us well, can't they? To remember something can be really cool like to be able to have good memories. And for some of us, I hope for all of us, we have more good memories than those of bad. But we remember both. Did you know that God remembers? In fact, God remembers quite well what he promises that he's going to do. Let me take you to a little quick section in Genesis at the beginning of the Bible to just help illustrate this, to help bridge the point to the big idea of today's message. Chapter nine of Genesis, starting at verse 13. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And when I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that I had between me and every living creature on the face of the earth. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of the flesh that is on the earth. And God said this to Noah, and this is a sign of the covenant that is established between me and all the flesh that's on the earth. I say amen to that. Because what that means is that the rainbow that we get to see beautifully portrayed often in Middle Tennessee after these big thunderstorms that we, 
we get to not just see the beauty of that rainbow, we get to go back to hear about a remembrance of a covenant that God has made a promise to all living flesh that he is not going to destroy the earth in that way. But yet God's judgment is sure, right? He did destroy the earth. He did destroy all of humanity minus Noah and his family. He did that because his judgment is not to be mocked or it's not to be scoffed. His judgment is, is sure. It's speaking of the gospel of Jesus Christ without mentioning the judgment of God is undercutting the opportunity for the love of God to actually have an impact on your life. You realize that's why the gospel is good news because you need to know the bad news before you understand the good news. That you're a sinner, that you need to be saved in Christ Jesus, that your sin is what keeps you away from a righteous, perfect, holy God. And God has to deal with that. And Jude wants to talk about that. He really, really does. But he realizes that in this great salvation that's been passed down to all the saints that he said in the first half of Jude, he wants us to contend for our faith. And so we're gonna look into what that looks like when it means the second half that Hayden read for us this morning in community. And I wanna give you the big idea and then I wanna unpack this in three particular parts. And the first is the big idea, remembering to contend for your faith which leads to eternal life. Um, my wife and I, we were driving on the way here as we do on Sunday mornings and I just asked her, I said, have you ever struggled or doubted your faith. And we just had a cool 40 minute conversation because I commute from Chapel Hill up to, up to campus here. And it was great because I think it's an open conversation that wasn't like questioning our faith. It was, have you doubted your faith? Have you ever had a, what William Blackaby has called, uh, Henry Blackaby has called a crisis of your belief. And I would say if you're a Christ follower for any period of time, you've probably had to bump into that, into your faith. And what, what Jude is trying to help us in the second half of this little letter is he's going to now call our attention as listeners to his letter to remember something. He right out at the beginning of it says remember, and then he goes along and he tells us what he should have us remember. And so that's what I want to unpack with you because I want you to remember that the gospel is the gospel for your life eternally. And that I hope that brings you comfort because you could have a week, a month, you could be living a life right now where it's difficult to want to say that you're genuinely contending for your faith in Christ. And I want to encourage you as a pastor that you contend for your faith in Christ best when you remember what Jesus has done for you most. Does that make sense? So let's, let's go ahead and take a look inside of the scriptures together, okay? So I'm gonna break this up into three sections, um, starting first with verses 17 through 19. And there's hopefully some notes. They look kinda like this. Uh, you can follow along. I don't know if any of you need these last two. Did anybody in the front two rows need a, notes or anything like that? I'd be willing to make it into a paper airplane and sail it to you right now. So you good? Okay, and if you want these, um, just, you can literally raise your hand, we're okay, this is church, it's, this is not performance, and uh, you can get one, so Wanda, here you go, would you pass that, thank you, yeah, anybody else in the front row want one, or out here in the side rows, all good, okay, cool, thanks Danny, so I'm a guy that again, I told you last week, I'm a teacher preacher, because I want to be able to get into the nuances of the text with you, I want you to understand the Bible, 
because I want to up the bar really in the illiteracy of the scriptures that is rampant in our culture today. Sadly, there's statistics. You can look at Barna Research and it'll just point it to the direction that people don't read the Bible anymore. They don't study it. They don't memorize it. They don't, they don't apply it. And uh, again, we're a church that enjoys the scriptures unashamedly. We're gonna teach the scriptures. And so I just do that and that's kind of what I, the way I flow. But I appreciate you guys doing that and the notes is a helpful piece for me I was a guy that again my attention spans like that and so I needed to always keep me occupied with notes and things so again you can write different notes you can make that into a paper airplane but certainly I'd hope that you would keep this for some note taking first things first let's go to verses 17 through 19 okay and let's put this under the heading of a reminder of apostolic teaching so there's apostolic teaching that precedes the teaching that Pastor Steve or myself or any other teaching pastor is going to give us. We've been teaching upon the teaching of others, right? So as we open up the Bible, it's not as if Steve and I wrote the Bible and all of a sudden it's our authoritative view of, the Bible, of, of what you should do. It's been handed down. And he says right here, we need to remember Beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this look like? Number one, the you in here and the beloved in here are in plural form. I love the fact that this comes out later if you look at the Greek. And by the way, I gave you this last week as a smartphone idea for you. The Blue Letter Bible is a device that you can upload on your Android or your iPhone and it gives you a theology right there in your hands. It allows you to look inside of the scriptures and actually go into uh, languages and meanings and things like that right there in real time. But the you in, in the beloved is, is a, in a plural form. And why I like that so much is it's not narrowing the writer here, Jude, to a particular people group. Like this is just going to be for the first century Christians that are reading this or the first century disciples, the followers of Jesus. It's going to be for the 21st century Christ followers here at Sunset Hills. Two things, number one, you, if you're a follower of Christ, if you've been saved and redeemed and regenerated by, uh, by God and you've got the Holy Spirit in you, guess what? You are a part of that fabric of disciples. And secondly, you're beloved. This is what Jude tells us right at the beginning of the letter, that you're beloved, that God loves you first. And he goes on to talk about predictions. What does that mean, predictions? Well, that word means more so in, in say translations like the NASB or the NIV, it's words or it's foretelling. It's the prophecies and it's the things that the scriptures are talking about. It's the prophecies, the writings, the letters. It would be the whole canonization of the New Testament now. How many books do we have in our New and uh, Old Testament Bible altogether? 66. It would be the total sum now for us as 21st century followers of Jesus, it would be the entirety of this. These things are more than just predictions. It's funny when it uses the word prediction. The ESV is what I study and usually preach from, but I, I do like the NASB's translation of words because etymology, that's the study of words, has meaning, meaning that when you take and you hear people speak or you read things, you're wanting to get to the meaning of what does that word mean? How many people like just doing dictionary kind of games and stuff like that? You're my, again, my wife kills me in this because I'm horrible in these games. 
But words have meanings and you should try to know what they are and this is what Jude is trying to say that these predictions have weight and purpose to them. In fact, they're so much so that they have authority. What kind of authority? Well, Paul the apostle tells Timothy the disciple as he's trying to pastor the first century church in Ephesus that it says all scripture is breathed out in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16. All scripture's breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The deal is, and just that first verse of 17 in Jude's letter is this is a trustworthy document that we can go ahead and put our lives into and see it help us in the transforming work of the salvation that Christ has provided for you. This document right here, this, this Bible. And this is really the flashpoint, I think, of false teaching is that they'll take advantage of this, but then they'll do it for, um, for selfish gain and for fleshly reasons. Or that they'll twist it and, and make this into different words than what the word is trying to say. It's important that we try to get to this. As a fighting point sometimes, you collegiate people, the ones that are gonna go off to college in just a few weeks, this will be a place of, of content and, 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 and battling for you as you're trying to deal with high level thinking. Uh, it was what I told you last week when I was in my humanities class in my junior college nonetheless, and the guy just basically outs every Christian in the room and says, you're all just a bunch of idiots. That's what you believe in is just a bunch of myths and fables and you're weak for your thinking. You still contend for the faith because the faith in Christ is genuine for you. And so the words are important for you to study. They, as it says in verse 18, they is who? The false teachers. They, the false teachers, they said to you, no, I'm sorry, that's not correct. Peel that back. They are the apostles. They are the ones that the Lord has called to lay the foundations. They say to you that in the last times there's gonna be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. The laying down of the foundations of, of scripture is really cool. In Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 and 20, it says this. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Listen right here. Built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in which the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord, Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. And in this, the writer of Jude says that there will be some, there will be some, now we can see I think in the 21st century there are many who mock and scoff the Christian faith and message. It, it, it's really a casual view for you to just open up a thread on CNN. To open up a thread, and I'm using CNN, and I apologize if I did that, if that's your go-to. I'm not trying to out CNN per se, but you can look on media in general, and you can see that there's a constant barrage of attack. And I'm gonna tell you this from the standpoint of how this fleshes itself out into like sound teachings that the scripture has given to us in a progressive situation that we live in in the 21st century globally, which is the sexual revolution that's going on currently. It's been going on. We've always had a depraved nature for those things in our own hearts and lives, but it is just now on center stage. I mean, it's just up in your face. Am I wrong? It's just up in your face 
that if you don't believe that there is multiple genders, not just two, that you're gonna be in trouble, that you're gonna lose your job, that you're gonna be uh, taken off the air, that we might be taken off the air just with Facebook for me saying this. I don't know, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure. But I will say this, that those predictions of those things that are happening from scoffers is living out in real time in our 21st century today. And Judas just trying to say, I need you as, as followers of Christ to contend for your faith so that I can use you as an example to the culture that's just simply going off the cliff with their thinking. And so he's trying to point to us then the ungodly passions. And there's three things that I wanna point out real quick. The timing of this, the character of this, and the lifestyle. Do you see that it's in the last times? So you have to ask yourself a question. Are we the only ones living in the last days or was Jude? And I would say yes. Both. When Jesus came and righted everything of how a person can have a right relationship with God the Father through the belief and the acceptance and, and the following of Christ and his atoning work on the cross, right? Right? that that is our entry point, that is our measuring stick, that's everything for us, that's the cornerstone of our faith that we stand on. From that point forward, I think when he left the scene, I think for me, I view that as end times. So I think the last days has been chapters, that we live in last days and we're in chapters of that because there's been prophetic things that have been done over the last 2,000 years that we can see revealing the truth of the scriptures about the sovereignty of God. And so we have then evidence of those things for our eyes to see, but our lives to continue to follow. But these people, they're not only doing this, but then they're doing something else, and that's in verses 19 and following, and that is that they, what do they do? They cause divisions. They're worldly people, and they're devoid of the Spirit. They're not only mockers and scoffers of God, of Jesus as God the Son, Son of Man, as Jesus is immaculately conceived, as one minister who was a minister for a long time into the orthodox faith of Christianity steps away from the doctrine of the incarnation to say that that really didn't happen. Well, when you step into those areas of doctrine, you are negating the orthodoxy of our faith. You're basically challenging the fact that Jesus then wasn't immaculately conceived by way of God through the Holy Spirit. This is a problem. And this is, of course, something that us as a church needs to pay attention to because then we need to be able to point that out as error. Again, doing so in love and with respect, but at the same time being able to say it's wrong. And our authority becomes where Orthodox Christian faith and doctrine come from the word. So, but these people, as Jude is saying, as he's telling us, they, they're the ones who like to cause divisions. They're worldly people and devoid of the spirit. They're even gonna be people that'll be sometimes in our local churches that are gonna come as people that are all for you, perhaps, but then all of a sudden they're gonna come to try to divide, not so much the body itself, but to try to divide the truth of God's word and not do it in a way that it's right and accurate, but do it in a way that's going to be uh, of, of, of benefit to them and to, to stir you away. And, and why would that be so? It's because ultimately behind that, as it would say in Ephesians chapter six, that, you know, that there's a battle that goes on, that that battle is 
a spiritual battle. And that there's an enemy. His, his name is Satan. He has a demonic horde. He hates the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't ever believe for a minute that Satan actually kind of likes Jesus. Don't ever think for a second that the demons that absolutely rejected the sovereignty and authority of God are going, you know, I want to play both sides of the fence. They will let you believe that in the sense of masquerading themselves as an angel of light, but in reality, when you pull the mask off, demonic, evil, bad. And we have to see it for that. And sometimes we have to make the hard call to point that out and say that that's not genuinely right and true. And there'll be people who will try to be wolves in sheep's clothing to be able to try to masquerade themselves in churches all across the world. And as Christians, we have to be Bible people. That's why I told you last week one of the disciplines that really makes for a Christian contending for their faith is to be like a good faithful farmer and you cultivate. You cultivate habits. Memorize, meditate, read, study, listen to the God, word of God, teach, taught and preached. These are areas that just help build up our faith so that we can give that answer that lies within us, doing it with gentleness and respect. What are they devoid of? They're devoid of what? The spirit. This is key when it comes to being able to see the difference. Do you, do you realize that there's a story in the New Testament in John's Gospel, chapter three, that has this very Ill thing illustrated? When Jesus came to Nicodemus, what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again, but not just born again, you must be born of the flesh and of what? Of the spirit. So one is a natural birth, right? And we all know kind of how that works, right? The other one is a spiritual birth, and that's by the grace and the mercy of God. That's by what Kelly was trying to say in the worship set that you should come to. That's why we come together in hopes that there may be even one in this room or even online that would bend their knee and profess the name of Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. That's why we exist, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So to be devoid of the Spirit means you don't really have those motivations in your life. You have something else, whatever those would be. And so Jude is pointing that out, and he's saying that you can't be that, and we need to be on guard for that. But then what does he do? He encourages. This is so cool about the ending of the letter. It's pretty heavy, it's pretty thick, it's kind of in your face a little bit, but then, just like a good letter should, it just gives us not a good feeling, but an assured feeling of being loved well. So let's take a look at verses 20 through 23, and that's what I'm gonna put under the, the call to be steadfast, the call to be steadfast. And before we get into that, I just wanted to give you a few examples, if you don't mind. Some biblical examples, just to help jog your memory as to other examples. How about Job? What an example for us in the Old Testament of a story that teaches us that in our darkest moments, we can depend and trust upon God. Even when we don't know how we should face these difficult situations, we can still be assured that God does and that we can count on him and rely upon him and see that he's going to carry us through. How about Daniel? 
What an amazing story Daniel is. Steadfast in his faith, even in the face of death. It's an inspiring story of God's protection, God's provision. And like Daniel, we might face and you might be facing situations where it's really hard. But maybe not like Daniel, you you might be facing situations where it could call for your life. And yet here in this story, God in his provision and his protection, he rescues and he perseveres Daniel through. How about this one? How about Joseph? Joseph just kind of got the short end of a stick, didn't he? I mean, just got a cool coat and everything. And then his brothers go all whack-a-doodle on him and toss him into a pit and sell him off to slavery. And, and all for what? For him to be forgotten. You ever feel like you've been forgotten? You ever feel like you've gotten turned in in the wrong way and been just maligned by others? You can relate to Joseph and his story. Joseph, he had to trust the Lord and be steadfast in these difficult circumstances as well all to the point of then at the very end, God restoring him. And then of course, the best example of all is who? It's Jesus. Man, it's Jesus. It's Jesus' example that shows his faithfulness towards God's will in such a way that when he's in a garden and he's in anguish, right? He's in true anguish. I mean, bleeding out in anguish before his crucifixion and he's asking God, if this cup should pass, right? And, and is it a period or is there more to that verse? There's more. He says, but not my will, your will be done. Man, what, a, what an example for me as a guy who sometimes just gets weary in contending for my faith. Weary in just wanting to follow Jesus and I can then see Jesus identifying with that in every way saying, Eric, I did the same. I contended for the faith in God's will to contend all the way through what I needed to do for the Father because it's his will that's the most important thing of your life. And I hope that brings a good word to you when you're teetering perhaps in your Christian faith. You're struggling to remain in Christ. You're struggling to want to do the right thing in Jesus. And Jesus can give us an identifiable look and say, You can put your faith in me because I'm faithful for you. And so this is what Jude is trying to help us with in this whole idea of standing steadfast. So verse 20, he says, Beloved, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Build yourselves up. It's such a cool Greek phrase. It's got this, again, this aorist tense form. This aorist is eight different tenses in the Greek language for verbs. And this one is this present action with future implications. It's like basically, and Steve, don't ever have me do this for you, but it's like this. It's like getting something started on a building project and then continuing to work upon it. I, I, I just don't even know what end of a hammer is, like the top or the bottom. However, however, what a cool thing to sit in a room to know that there was a cornerstone that started the project And here we sit in a place on a campus at Sunset Hills because people continue to build a structure that allowed a church to continue to learn how to follow Jesus. Just a physical example to the spiritual implications that Jude is trying to tell us here. Build your faith. 
Build your faith. And then he goes on to saying, how? Well, number one, holy. Holy. It's a holy faith. It's a set-aside faith. Let me, let me ask this as a general question. Again, you know me by now. Sometimes my questions are rhetorical, and sometimes I'm waiting for an answer. This one's rhetorical in the sense of, like, I'm not going to ask you to answer. But how well are you setting aside, if the word holy is to set aside, that's kind of the meaning of it, how well are you doing lately at setting aside your faith to grow? How well is your devotion life going? Are you really putting in that kind of good time? Again, not to earn your salvation, but to grow in your faith. How well are you doing there? Or are you finding yourself super busy or maybe making that as your excuse to not grow in your faith? and not manage maybe some time to be able to see that Jesus is a priority to you. Just pushing a little bit, because the kind of push is what I get to from others. But the holy part is a, is a narrative piece inside of that verse. And then a discipline shows up. What's the discipline in that verse? That's not a rhetorical question. What's the discipline? Somebody said it. Pray. To pray. Praying, much like studying our Bible, is so important to our faith. And I would say this, it's interesting to note, lots of people pray. In fact, I would say, if you look at the studies, again, from researchers like Barna, like 98% of people pray. The question is to whom and for what, right? But you, if you're a Christ follower, and I'm encouraging you as a Christ follower, guess what you're praying for and to whom? You're praying to God the Father. You're praying for his will to be done in your life. You're praying that he would use you in every way, whether it's at your work or in your leisure or in your family or in whatever, that he would maximize everything about you for his purposes. Because if you're a Christ follower, and this is the one that gets you like outed for a second, you are his you are not your own. You've been bought with a great price, the New Testament tells us. So you are lock, stock, and barrel Jesus's. How are you praying into that? Are you praying that I'll serve Jesus if, and then you put a condition? Or are you praying for, Lord, here am I. You send me. I want to be like the narrative of Isaiah. That's, the, that's what I think Jude is alluding to, is like develop that discipline of prayer. Because this praying in the spirit is not one that's necessarily like a, the charismatic line of thinking here. I would say this is better anchored really out of Romans chapter eight. Let me read these verses for you. Romans eight, starting at verse 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself, he intercedes for us, groanings too deep for words, and he who searches, this is God who searches hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. There's, there's the relationship of a triune Godhead coming into view right there. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So it's all pointing to the will of God. It's all in the power of his opportunity to hear our prayers. And then it is his will to be able to discern what he's going to do with them. We did a, in our prayer group on Wednesday mornings, I would, uh, Alvin, you in the house, brother? There you are, good to see you, bro. Um, Alvin leads a, a prayer time with a group of people. I, I, I love this group. It's at 10.30 in the morning. 
I know that it's not a good time for a lot of us that are, you know, a lot of you that have jobs and things, but man, if you can ever come, and you're gonna hear more from our prayer team as the weeks and months go by as we're just kind of really praying into some initiatives for our church as a whole, but um, we did a little thing. Alvin had asked me to do a little take over the class time as he dipped out, and I used a little model of prayer, and I tried it out on the class. I don't know if they liked it or loved it or, or they're still going over it in their minds wishing that they could have had me gone that day. But it's, it was the model of ACTS. It's uh, A-C-T-S, and as you pray, the A stood for adoration, the exaltation of God, like you, you're praying to recognize how wonderful and great and powerful and magnificent he is, much like the psalmist, right? That this is God that we're talking to. When you're talking, you're not just talking to your, your friend, your homie. You're talking to God, maker of heaven and earth. And, and so there's an adoration, there's a posture. Then there's a confession in there, the sea. Like, uh, I am, what's the scripture say? I'm, I'm but a worm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a person of unclean lips. And so, Lord, would you, would you please allow me to confess even my sin unto you so that you would even be willing to want to listen to these prayers? And then there's the one that we're really good at, and that's thank, Thanksgiving. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we can list off a bunch of thank yous. And then the one that we're really super good at, and that's supplication, the S. God, would you do this and that for me but it was just a little modeled thing and we had a great time with it and that's just another little tool piece that you can use to maybe use as a discipline for prayer for your prayer life just acts adore confess thank God supply so those were things that that again Judas he's talking as an encouragement to us he's saying these things but then he moves further down it's really kind of cool he talks about mercy three times in two verses keeping watch over yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. What a really awesome thing to see that first of all, we keep ourselves in the love of God. How? How? It's remembering again that God first loved you. That's how you do it. So my mom would always say to me, even when I did stuff bad, I'll always love you. Even no matter what you do, and I did some pretty dumb things. I did some pretty dumb things. I'll always love you. That was the love of my mom, love of my dad, just my parents. Well, this is the love of God. Loves us first. First John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. And then it doesn't just stop there with our knowledge of remembering God's love in that way. What does it do? It provokes our love to want to love others. This becomes then really the two pillars in which our New Testament church gets to stand under. It's the great commission and the great what? Commandment. The great commission is to go make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then the next one is what? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Where was that found? That was found in Deuteronomy. That was the Shema. That was what Jewish fathers would be reciting to their children as they were walking with them down the road as they were going to go to Torah school or something. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And then Jesus adds to that when he gets kind of confronted in the Gospel of Matthew. What is the top law and he says this plus then also love your neighbor as yourself 
And then he illustrates it with the story of the, great, the Good Samaritan. What a neat way to see the love of God manifested in this way and that Jude is capturing that as we remain in this. Love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. This is an eschatology. Eschatology, again, is that study of something. It's the study of end times. And here the reader is looking to really not just their present life, but to the conclusion of all things in life. Do you realize that the next greatest event that God has in the sense of history for humanity is gonna be the second coming? You realize that? Do you know when it's gonna happen? Please say you don't. <laughs> please, please tell me that you don't, because no man does. And what's neat about this is that this second coming is something that we can always be preparing ourselves for. It's not like we don't have to make it passe. I get it, it's like almost 2,100 years removed and you're like, man, Jesus, what's taking you so long? <laughs> well, long enough to try to save somebody like you. I have this phrase, I use this often, that if I woke up, Jesus is still saving. In fact, I think if we gathered here this morning somewhere, maybe in our community of faith, right here at sunset, maybe it's you, maybe it is exactly you, that Jesus is saving someone for himself. And that's why this world is gonna continue to spin and float. As miserable as you think it is, as bad as you think things have gotten, for Jesus, salvation is more important. And for him, He'll let it continue to spin. He'll continue to call us out to contend for the faith so that we can see the advancement of the gospel in one person's life. Is one person important? Yes, because it happened to you personally if you're a Christ follower. So he talks about this as a way of like end times, but it's really for that waiting of the blessed hope of the end of times, the day of judgment. And then it goes on to uh, the next few verses of God's mercy, and this is really cool. God's mercy in Jude 22, 23. He says, and this is where it gets outside of us. This is where, this is where I hope it makes really good sense. Mercy to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. What in the world does all of that mean? I see that as a big category of missions and evangelism. To me, it's one and the same. It's one and the same. But to contend for our faith is to show that really God is very merciful to us in our doubts. How do I know this? Well, I know this by looking in the Gospel of John. Who do we have as one of the disciples? What was his name? Thomas. Affectionately, we call that the doubting what? Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. And the narrative goes like this. It's at the end of the Gospel of John as Jesus has appeared to a bunch of people and yet has not appeared quite yet to the disciples as a whole. They're up in a room and Thomas is there. And what does he say? He just, you know, paraphrasing this. I'll believe it when I get to touch and see it for myself. Bam, Jesus shows right. I love that. I love that. Jesus is like, oh, you got a challenge. That's cool. I got your challenge. And he shows up. And he's like, here I am. Go ahead. You can touch the scars. Go ahead. Right here. See that one right there. It's fresh. Touch that. 
And then what does he tell Thomas? He says, well, Thomas admits, Lord, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Lord, you are the one. And mercifully, graciously, what does Jesus do? He doesn't dissuade Thomas from that belief for contending in his own faith. He encourages us in our faith. He says, greater faith will be those who didn't even see me, and yet what? Believe in me. Welcome to that team. Welcome to that team, Sunset Hills. I mean, that's where you get to sit as a follower of Jesus Christ who contends for their faith, that you are seeing that this is an opportunity for us to see that even in our doubts, we can bring those before the Father because he's merciful and he's kind and gracious to minister through those doubts and into the truth. And then he gives us a motive, a motive of mission to take action, to snatch people literally from the fire. And this is something that I wanna just kind of quickly talk about by way of just saying, this falls into the category of what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter six, when he says, to fulfill the law of Christ is to help people who are in their sins, in their transgressions, we come alongside, doing so without getting caught up in their sins. See, for some of us, we can do that. For some of us, we can't quite do that. We need what? We need the assistance of the local church. We need pastors to help assist us. We need maybe good biblical counseling to come alongside of that. All of those things to help somebody away from the falsehood and the teachings because honestly, when you're spinning in your sin, I can guarantee you, you're willing to listen to anything that you think could help get you out of the spin. And the truth of the scriptures is the scripture wants you to focus on Christ who's the only rescue plan for you when it comes to getting you out of that spin out. But our job as a church is to provide a rescue, an opportunity. Jesus tells us to go leave the, to leave the 99 and go get the one. But it's not to be a private Christian over here with the one. What do we do with the one? Bring them right back right back in community. Hey, let's grow together. Yep, it's a tough season for you. We got you, we're in it. I can guarantee you, if you're on the fence of what you do with this church at Sunset, I've only been here three and a half months, but I can guarantee you, this is a family right here that'll wanna stick by you. That if you're wondering, do I make this church my church home? Yes, the answer is yes. I'll just help make that decision for you. Yes. In fact, I'll give you a box lunch that came uh, compliments of Taylor Farms today. We have a Discover Meet and Greet class right after this church for 45 minutes to an hour. If you're new with us, been newer to us, come and hang out with us, meet some of our staff, and, and we'd love to hear your story and we'll feed you at the same time. Just by way of saying, you found a home. Just come here and stay here and start learning how to follow Jesus here. All right, let me give you the application. I've gone way over time, but... Then again, I'm not sure when I'll preach again next. So, <laughs> take it all the time I need. Here's, here's three pieces just to give you real quick and, and I'll, I'll move along. Number one, don't be surprised by false teachers. I, I, it's not that you shouldn't be necessarily shocked by some of the stuff that you see or hear or disappointed or troubled or frustrated. Just, just don't be so surprised because it's been around really since the fall of humanity. Like in a garden, 
when it all went bad, pretty much when sin came in to destroy everything, we've had falsehood. When the federal head parents of Adam and Eve believed and took part in the lie, it's been part of our makeup. We just want to be able to be people of the truth and constantly being able to go back to the scriptures and in community and through Christian disciplines and obviously full with the Holy Spirit and in love, being able to constantly see the truth of God revealed to us. So don't be freaked out by that. Don't be surprised. Um, I've gotten a bunch of verses, I think, up there. Oh, we got the second one. Cool. Keep yourselves in the love of God. By the way, if you're taking notes, these are the fill-ins. Keep yourselves in the love of God. What, a, what an assuring thing when things are just not working well. Again, there's so many times in my life when I think uh, the devil has gotten the best of me is when he really causes me to just doubt whether even God loves me. It's kind of the bummer. But the reality is that he does. And I want to be the one that tells you from this stage that that love is for you. It's not just for you collectively, it is for all of us, but that love is for you personally. And I genuinely believe that if Jesus, and I think that the Lord knows his own, but if he knew it was just you, he would come for you. And I would hope that would be enough for you to want to be able to say, yeah, I want to submit my, my trust to him. And that could be hard for you because you could be a person that's been hurt. You could be a person who's been lied to. You could be a person who's experiencing hardship right now and really questioning, if this God really loves me, then why is all this stuff happening to me? And I would say this about that. I would say, number one, don't push off of that, but press into that through the scriptures and don't push off of that and press into that over a greater identity that you can have in Jesus than the things that are going on around you and to you and know that that counsel can come from this church we may not be able to take you the full length of that counsel but we can certainly love you right now to be able to help you get the biblical God loving honoring counsel you would need you see me right after you see pastor steve he's back from vacation so he's full of he's full of vigor and you see us to be able to say man i am in a hot mess with my faith or i'm in a hot mess and i'm not sure if god really is loving we want to be able to help process that with you not just you drill further down because I can guarantee you there's an enemy if I can have your attention for these last few minutes there's an enemy who desperately just wants to keep telling you that lie and he just doesn't he never really has <laughs> and it's an absolute bald faced lie because God has and he's shown it by his son Jesus so that's the second the third thing is this one up here reach out to those who are going astray. So it's not just a, a, a decision to say, hey, I want it all for myself. It's this motivation to go, man, Judah's saying, go outside of me. Make this, make this message something that others want to be provoked to hearing and receiving and living in. 
So whether you're on your high school or junior high campus this, this fall, whether you're at work, whether you're in the gym, whether you're at the grocery store, you're in your, your walk groups or whatever you're gonna do, whether you're just in your own home, see to it that we reach out to those who are going astray. And why is that so important? Because any follower of Jesus has to realize that at one point you were. At one point you were desperately going in the wrong direction. And God graciously, lovingly, but truthfully pointed out the fact that you are and that only in him is the way and the truth and the life. Only in Jesus. And the big idea then is that you'll remember to contend for your faith which leads to eternal life. Friends, we don't want luxury fake seatbelts. We want the real thing to be secured to. And it's this gospel that Jude paints for us in this letter. 25 verses deep a chapter full of power because it's full of truth that comes from the Spirit of God to the heart of humanity for transformation for the glory of God alone. Our last point is this, and it's the praise of God. And that I want to conclude by reading the doxology. I'm going to ask that the worship team come on up, take their place. Um, in kind of in a high church form. I mean, you've already felt that a couple of Sundays now where I have you stand in the reading of God's presence. Again, it's just something I've kind of come to enjoy. But in this, I want to be able to do this as we're going to set our posture towards the last two verses that Hayden read for us early and then I'll conclude right now. And that's the doxology. One of the most beautiful doxologies in the entirety of the New Testament. I want to read it to you and then I want it to be just sort of your point of memory to remember are you in this to praise Jesus while we sing these songs or are you in this to remind you that you need Jesus and I'll be down here in the front in this area to receive you for whatever you'd want to talk to me about the stage becomes kind of an altar to us to whatever you want to pray for and our church becomes available to you to walk with you and to make you into the disciple that God would want you to be. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, be majesty, dominion and authority, before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Lead my life. Lead me, Lord. Take my life. Lead me, Lord. Make my life useful to Thee. Take my life, lead me, Lord. Take my life, lead me, Lord. Make my life useful to Thee. Take my life, teach me, Lord. Take my life, Teach me, Lord, may
sang that song too that that would be exactly what I would want to do today and tomorrow with my life in Christ my life is no longer yours or mine it's yours Jesus so you take this life as jacked up as it often is and you use it use it for your glory your purposes, your will and if you're doing that I say praise Jesus for that continue to walk faithfully in that If you're not, I encourage you, step into that. You'll grow in Christ. You'll see amazing results as God would take your life, your personality, your experiences to just make much of him to your coworkers, to your environment, places where this church may not be able to go, but you're there so you can represent Christ there. And then for bigger things, maybe there are people in here that are feeling called towards something towards maybe a calling in missions or ministry would you do us a favor Steve and I would love to have conversations with you about that to help talk about what that could look like and how that can manifest so thank you so much for listening to Jude what a cool little letter that often gets just sort of forgotten in the back of our Bibles and may it just be a blessing to you and thank you for listening in Christ's name Amen. Be seated just for a moment, if you don't mind. Hey, Eric, uh, already mentioned this, but I, I do want to invite you to discover Sunset Hills. Um, that's immediately following services. Um, I can tell you I can look out and see about five families um, that I believe would benefit from that time. Um, it's going to be 45 minutes or so. We're going to feed you, just kind of share with you what we're on mission to do. And uh, so we'd love to um, have you. We're going to meet in this room, uh, these rooms right over here to the side here the two doors there so I encourage you if you did even if you didn't sign up if you're going to go have lunch somewhere it's not going to take any more time and uh, we'd love to um, have you join us a couple of things this week recharge and student ministry are both going to be out uh, of the building kind of on mission um, and just a, a good time of fellowship too our, our children are going to the Nashville Zoo our students are going to Holiday World so uh, mom and dad if you don't have the information on that please text me or see me after service Make sure you get that. This coming Friday is Friday. Friends, don't forget that, 11 a.m. Join the ladies uh, as they do all the things that they do. 
um, that a lot of times uh, we don't ever see, but, but I know that God is using them in amazing ways. And, and last, uh, I want to, um, cackling. Yeah, we cackle. Last, uh, I want to let you know about our coat drive. It's going to be going on between now and September the 24th. And um, if you've got some gently used or new coats laying around your house that maybe you're not wearing, um, it would be of great benefit to someone else. Uh, so our ladies' ministry is, uh, I see you back there, Danny. Our ladies' ministry is uh, going to be um, also um, heading that up, and uh, so we encourage you to bring those coats in. Uh, Danny, I think you want me to mention the men's retreat. I, it was next on my list, but thank you so much for reminding me. You always do such a great job of that, Danny. We appreciate that. All right, men's retreat coming up. Uh, don't forget that. I think that is September the 22nd, 23rd. Uh, don't forget, if you, if you need information about that, it's a great time. See Danny. Uh, there are several other guys you can see that they would uh, be, be happy. Um, it's cheaper and it's better than the women's retreat, right? Watch out, watch out now. You're <laughs> Lynn, gonna get, my wife did not like that comment last <laughs> week, I tell you. You're she, in trouble, Danny. She's gunning for you. She informed me, Danny, that you've never been to the women's retreat, so you really have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I want to express my appreciation to Eric for filling in for me. The last time I had a pastor filling in for me, I was out for several months. He, he covered the whole book of Philemon, and you did it, yours, the whole book, in two weeks. You did much better than Frank Lewis did. I don't plan on being out anytime soon, so I hope you're coming back. Next week, we're going to start a new sermon called Four Words. No. <laughs> I'm teasing about that, yeah. For those that may not know, we had just finished a sermon series. It's the first one, Let My People Go. Let My People <laughs> I was going to say I'd missed you, but I really missed, really missed picking on you tomorrow. Let, let me pray. Let me pray for us. How about that? Lord, we thank you for today. God, thank you for laughter and, and fellowship, Lord. Let everything that we do this week bring glory to you. We love you so much. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and He wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.